Hi, this is Bill Hoffey, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter. I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and Niagara Gazette sports editor. And welcome to episode 21 of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, you're in off-season mode. Me, I'm, I guess I'm kind of on a bi-week mode, but there's still a bunch of things to talk about. Let's get right to it with the Bills this week. They uh, named two coordinators, uh, stayed within. Joe Brady becomes has the interim label taken off. He's their offensive coordinator. And Bobby Babich has been promoted from linebackers coach to defensive coordinator. He's, he's a guy that's worked his way up the chain, starting off as uh, what was an assistant safeties coach or defensive backs coach, and then safeties coach, and then linebacker, and now he's defensive coordinator. That's correct. So what do you make of these hires? I mean, the Joe Brady one, uh, we could see it coming when he took over for Ken Dorsey in November. Um, I mean, the whole season changed, really. Um, and Bobby Babich, he, he's not a guy that maybe a lot of Bills fans know about, but, I mean, he's paid a lot of dues, and uh, he seems ready for this. Just your takes on them. So Joe Brady, I, I think for both of these guys, it, it, it's pretty – it's pretty clear that these are the guys they wanted from the start. Pretty much all that they did was fulfill their Rooney rule requirements. Uh, they interviewed former Bills backup Thad Lewis to be the offensive coordinator after the job he did with Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay this year. And then um, they interviewed uh, Eagles defensive coordinator Sean Desai, who had his play-calling duty stripped from him this past season, his only season as a coordinator. Uh in favor of Matt Patricia, and that obviously did not go well. Um, so they wanted they wanted uh, they wanted these two guys. Brady, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's the right guy, but I think he was the right guy right now. Um, you know, uh, this is the guy Josh Allen wanted. So you know, the second coordinator in a row, Josh Allen kind of got his way, and this one's got to deliver. Um, Brady had more of a sample size than than Ken Dorsey did when they hired him. Dorsey had never been a play caller. Brady obviously uh, did a little bit with LSU uh, with Joe, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase in 2019, and then a season and some change with the Panthers uh, before he was scapegoated uh, by Matt Rule, who eventually got fired himself. Um, but he he did some nice things. Um as the as the offensive coordinator this year in his nine games, uh, total yards were up slightly. Um, rushing yards were way up, um, like forty yards per game up. Passing yards were thirty yards per game down. Um, so I think that's the area that needs to be focused on. the The Bills have to retool their passing game. Um, you know, running the ball is all all well and good. Um, but that's not going to get them where they want to go. And not with Josh Allen as your quarterback and not while you're paying him $250 million. Um, they, they, they're they going to need to win. If they want to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be because of Josh Allen and his arm. Um, so that means finding ways to get Stefan Diggs more involved, finding ways to scheme him open rather than saying, hey, go beat your man one-on-one. Um, you know, because his, his production... I, I I don't I don't know if he was, um, you know, a little bit dinged up at the end of the year or or what what the deal was, but his production drop was just absurd. 
it was. I mean, a, a handful of games where he's under under forty yards. I mean, that's just unacceptable. Um, and then you know you look at the two tight ends that they have. You know they. Brandon Bean was so adamant with Dalton Kincaid that he wasn't going to be just a regular tight end, that he was more in the Travis Kelsey mode. And then, you know, they, they line him up in line a lot. Um, and then at the end of the year, the last two games, they're bringing out a sixth offensive lineman as a tight end, you know, more than 40 times in the last two games. So you're, then you know, that means you're putting this guy you drafted in the first round who had 73 catches. And then the other guy who you, you extended for $50 million. You're putting him on the bench and you're, you're taking away a weapon from Allen. Um, so they got to figure out how to use those guys. Um, and they have to figure out, you know, ways to make life easier for Allen. Um, you know, under Brady, the bills had 124 third downs. Josh Allen ran or threw on 110 of those. So that means they're, they're not getting into enough, you know, third and third and medium, third and short scenarios where they can run the ball more than just a quarterback sneak. So that that's what I'm looking for from Joe Brady um, th- this this year. Um, you know, it, I think it, it's it's a, a a decision that Sean McDermott couldn't really leave up to chance. Like he couldn't, you know, maybe you want to wait for a guy like Brian Greasy, who I think is probably going to be the next hot candidate you know, as the quarterback's coach for the 49ers and the work he's done with Brock Purdy. He, 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 you know, he could have waited for a guy like that, but he's never called plays before. So, you know, the second full-time hire in a row that you're making is a guy who's never called plays. That's, that's a risky thing for McDermott who, you know, realistically is, was make, was potentially making his fifth offensive coordinator hire. With the full offs, I mean, you you take over an offense in the middle of the season. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can you can tweak and you can do things differently, but I mean, it's not going to be your your offense. Uh, do you do you expect any major overhaul though by Joe Brady this off season, or you just expect more tweaks or little like what do you expect? I guess. Well, Joe Brady um, comes from the Sean Payton tree. He worked for Sean Payton in New Orleans for a, a time. Sean Payton is heavy on on tight ends. He likes to use fullbacks. I I don't know if that's you know you would hope based on what the Bills have to offer and the money they have to spend um, that they use their tight ends more. But I don't know if that means he'll be using a fullback more often or what. Um, but he's not going to overhaul it. I mean, and and to be honest with you, most of the NFL offenses are pretty similar, right? That's why guys can get traded, get signed in the middle of the season, and it just fit right in. Um, there's just going to be some tweaks and some different things. Um, you know, maybe some different terminology on some things. Um, but you know, he's got to, he's got to make it his own and Sean McDermott has to give him the freedom to make it his own because what are you, what are you hiring a guy for if you want him to run somebody else's offense? Very true. And Bobby Babbage, like what, what, what can you tell us about him? Like I was saying, he's, he's, Spent some time with the Bills. He's he's moved up, uh, paid dues. What do you know about him? I thought from the moment that the question was brought up and not turned down that McDermott might hire a defensive coordinator, even you know defer the play calling duties. I thought this was the logical move. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear Bobby Babbage speak, he sounds like a future star in coaching. He sounds like a head. He sounds like a future head coach. Um, and that's the it's the actually the same as Joe Brady. Like Joe Brady and Bobby Babbage, neither of them are going to get turned down because they had a bad interview. Like they they they've got they've got silver tongues. Um, <laughs> but Babbage is young. He's energetic. He's positive. Um, players respect him. Tyrell Dodson came out on social media today and said that that Bobby Babbage made him the player that he is. Um, you see the way that that the players kind of kind of cling to him and, and are drawn to him. Um, you know when he's you see him at training camp or or um, you know during practices he's 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 energetic and the players listen to him. I mean you see the job that he did with Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer. Both of them were all pros while he was the safeties coach. And then obviously Matt Milano was an all pro linebacker when he took over for his father as the linebackers coach. Um, and now, you know, and then obviously this year with Terrell Bernard and his breakout year, um, you know, Bobby Babbage had a hand in all that and getting him ready to go. Um, so I, I think this was the, the logical move. I think, you know, maybe, maybe you could, you could go with the idea that maybe he's going to be, a guy who's the defensive coordinator coming up with the scheme, coming up with all that stuff, organizing everything. And McDermott still calls the plays until he feels Babbage is ready for that role. But I think if you look at some of the signs, it points to Babbage being the play caller. Um, Eric Washington, the defensive line coach, assistant head coach, uh, left for the Bears uh, to be the defensive coordinator, but he will not call plays there. And you look at that move... Um, you're hitching your wagon to a head coach who was very, very much on the hot seat, you know, with five weeks left in the season and still might be there if the bears don't perform this year and you're not calling plays. He's been a defensive coordinator before. So to me, that says he knew that, that Bobby Babbage, um, was the next man up. Um, if you asked me in the middle of the season, I would have told you John Butler might have been the next guy because he's you know he's the defensive backs coach. He called the plays um, for McDermott in the final preseason game against the Bears. Um, they also have Al Holcomb on the staff. Um, who, maybe he's a guy who slides in the linebackers next year. He kind of was a floater working with the back seven. Um, he was obviously defensive backs co- or the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Um, last year uh so but the guy they picked was babbage and he also interviewed uh for three other other teams he interviewed with the dolphins he interviewed with the giants interviewed with the packers Uh, obviously all three of those teams have offensive-minded head coaches so they hire him he's calling the plays so you know it's, it's likely this is an incentive you know you don't have to leave you don't have to move your family again, and you get the call plays. Um, right. I, I think that that makes the most logical sense. Um, and if you're if you're thinking things might might change schematically, I don't see that happening. Uh, the scheme was McDermott's scheme under Leslie Frazier. It was the same this year. I would 
imagine it's going to be the same with Bobby Babbage. Interesting, Nick. All right. So off-season checklist. We're coming up on the Super Bowl. Just uh, what else is going on with the Bills, I guess? Um. Well, I I think when you, it when you look at what they need to do this off season, um, obviously the the first is is to retool the passing game like we talked about. Um, the 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 second is to um make life easier for Josh Allen. Um, get him some more easy throws. I think too often it was maybe a a run on first down. Um. For a few yards, incomplete pass on second down, and third down is hey Josh, go make a play, uh-huh. or you know run, you know incomplete pass or short gain on first down, short run on second down, hey Josh, go make a play. Under Brady, the Bills average seven yards to gain on third down. Um, I mean that's not terrible, but it's also, you know, you, you need, let, let's get that a little bit lower, and. You know, get him some easier throws. Get him some, some quick hitters, or get into some situations where you can give, um, James Cook or whoever your running back may be next year, um, some carries on third down. I mean, you're 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 it's risky business putting Allen in that situation. The quarterback sneak every third and one like they had been doing. I mean, pretty much after that Philadelphia game, I think it was his Babbage's second game. Third and one, they used a quarterback sneak. Um, so, you know, who knows what they're gonna do with that touch push rule as well? That might change the game a little bit if they if they take that out. Uh, sure. But you know, you're 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 playing with fire to ask him to do that three, four, five times a game. Um, so, I think they need to come up with some other stuff there. And then obviously, like we talked about, utilizing Stefan Diggs a little bit more. Um, efficiently using Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox more in general. And then I think, you know, they need to get a receiver in the first, you know, four rounds. Probably in the first two rounds. Um, A, because you need a contingency plan for Stefan Diggs. He's going to be 31 next year. Um, You know, he's locked in with the Bills pretty much with his contract until 2025. Um, after twenty, so the next two years he's locked in pretty much with the Bills. Um, his dead cap hits over twenty five million both years. I think it's over twenty seven million both years. So a you need a can you need a you need a you need a second weapon anyways because I don't I don't think uh, they're going to be able to to get Gabe Davis uh, what he wants. I, I've seen some things where he's projected as almost fourteen million a year, and that's going to be out of their price range. Uh, right now they're like they're forty million dollars over the cap plus. Um who knows what the cap is gonna increase to, but it's still gonna be fourteen million a year for a number of two receivers outside of their price range. So if you can get a receiver and you can develop him, then you've got a guy who can take over for Diggs when he's done and then draft another guy. Um you know that that's kind of what the Chiefs have done. I mean, they were they were able to move on from Tyreek Hill pretty seamlessly. It's amazing say. too when you consider how good Tyreek Hill is. Yeah, no, no question. He's. I mean, it's not to say that he wasn't any good. They should have moved on from him. Um, but they've they've gotten by, and they got by this year without 
any studs. Um, if you can if you can do that and not have you know twenty five million allocated to one guy, I mean, why not? It seems like a a a, a, a smart move. I mean, I don't think the Bills are going to be able to get up to get any of the the big three. That's Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU, and Roma Dunze from Washington, but. Um, there's a lot of receivers, you know, ranked in the top 50 right now. And it's going to change this week with the senior bowl and then the combine and all that stuff. Uh, the underpants Olympics there in Indianapolis. Um, it's a but, very uh, good term for it. I like that. You know, I, I, I think that's, that's, they need a receiver. I mean, they need a defensive end. They need a defensive tackle. They're so limited in both of those areas. And, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take one of those two guys and you know one of those two positions in the first round and then wait to the second round to get a receiver because I mean you can get a receiver in a lot of different places in the draft. You don't have to get a first round pick. So they don't have to reach, but I think they need to get one. Uh and that's for sure. Um and then the other thing is I think one of the interesting things is uh Dorian Williams, third round pick. He showed a whole lot of potential last year. Um, he's explosive. When you see him at practice, he'll make a play, and you say, oh, they need to get that guy on the field. Um, but it doesn't seem like uh, the game slowed down very much for him. They tried him when Matt Milano got hurt. Uh, didn't work out the first week. They started him the second week, and then he was kind of on the bench and even fell behind A.J. Klein fresh off the couch. But the Chiefs used... Uh, two or three tight ends um, almost 40 times against the Bills. And the Bills never really got out of their nickel defense. And I think teams are going to look at that next year. And, you know, if the Bills don't adjust, teams are going to run it down their throat. If you can get a guy like Dorian Williams, who's, whose skill is, you know, his mobility, then you can play a little bit bigger more often and not lose anything. And I think that's the key. Whether it's Dorian Williams, whether it's finding another linebacker, I think the Bills have to adjust. They're not going to change their scheme, but I don't think that they can play their five five defensive backs. Or this year, they played a lot of six defensive backs on passing downs. I don't think they're going to be able to do that 98% of the time like they did this year. Literally 98% of the time. They're going to have to adjust. Throwing those numbers at us. All right. So, a non-Bills note. Um Dan Campbell's decisions to go for it and instead of kicking the field goal, I mean, it might have cost the Lions a trip to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's become in the last several years, it's become fashionable to go for it. I mean, the odds say going for it is, 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 is in most situations or many situations, I should say, is is better than kicking the field goal or whatever or punting even in some situations. But I mean, it's at some point, don't you just have to use your head and say, you know what, we need points here. It's about, I mean, it, it, it's sometimes it's about momentum. Just sometimes it's about keeping it. Maybe a, a, I think in the case the other night, it could, they could they could have kept it. What was it, a three score game, a two score game if they kicked the field goal? I mean, so so there's all these factors, and I, sometimes you, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be second guess. But I think sometimes you just have to take the points, take what's there, reward your team for 
their drive? Just what do you make of his decisions? I mean, you can laud him for being aggressive, but at the same time, you know. Eh. Well, I, I think the first thing, analytics, I think, is are important. I mean, analytics are just data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you should want as much data as you can get. But at a certain point, you have to make decisions, not just based on data, but mm -hmm. based on your football knowledge, based on your knowledge of your team, based on the knowledge of the situation. I agree. I mean, I don't know if you remember, there was, there was a, I think Denver was in Indianapolis late in the season. And they were still in the playoff hunt, and they were getting beat by four scores. And they had like fourth and goal at the six. And that was that was the it was the game where Sean Payton just let Russell Wilson have it on the sidelines, and he kicks a field goal. And to me, like you know, I would have said, "Buddy, you're yelling at me, but you just kicked a field goal to go from down four scores to down four scores." Mm -hmm. Um. You know that that it was the same kind of deal. Like you're you're up two touchdowns. They just they just had a long drive and you held them to a field goal. And now you're on a drive, and you have a chance to kick a field goal. Whether you kick a field goal or you get a touchdown, you're still up three scores. Mm -hmm. If you kick that field goal, now all of a sudden the Forty ers are going. Man, we just had a nice drive and it meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. And now they're thinking. Do we have enough time to do we have enough time to get three more scores? Can we do this? Um you're putting doubt in their head and you're pretty much, you know, you're you're taking Christian McCaffrey out of the game if you just by going out with 17 points, because they're not gonna have enough time to run the ball. They're gonna have to pretty much go up tempo the rest of the game, you know, unless they get some bounces. So I, I think that's that's important. And the other thing is um, not all third and twos or fourth and twos or whatever it is, they're not all equal. Like even if it's a, a a fourth and two from the thirty, isn't always equal to a fourth and two at the thirty. Like, uh, the Chiefs went for it on fourth and one, uh, early in the game against the Ravens and didn't get it. I was okay with that because you when you look at that, it was fourteen to seven, and uh. It's before halftime, and the Ravens' defense uh, has been so good all year. And if you pick that up and you go in and you score a touchdown, now all of a sudden you've got the Ravens questioning against that team, against that quarterback. Can we stop these guys? They just scored 21 points on us in the first half. Can we stop them? And the same token, you're, the Chiefs are who have at times struggled on offense this year, who I think they average 21 points a game. Now all of a sudden they like they can't stop us, and momentum, confidence—that's a big thing. Um, and, and I think that was that was kind of the. And then the second, the second fourth down they went for like that was worse than the first one, like because you're down three points, just kick the field goal, tie the game. Uh -huh. Although you know the the first the, the worst of all the decisions was was running the ball on on third and goal with a minute left and wasting a timeout. Like, that was just awful. Like, because uh, essentially you committed to relying on an onside kick and whew, uh, the odds don't play in your favor and it, they didn't. Um, 
You know, Dan Campbell said he thought that they would have a soft box and be a walk-in score, but like you can't risk that. Like not at that point in the game. Like you cannot waste your time out there. Um, and you know, going back to the previous point, Kyle Shanahan even in his post-game press conference talked about, you know, on that next drive where they're driving down the field, he's he's worried that we get enough points on the last drive. Like, was a field goal enough? So clearly that doubt was there. Like, so if you kick that field goal and you go back up seventeen points, changes the game. And for Dan Campbell's sake or for Lions fans' sake. You have to hope that that wasn't his Dan Quinn moment. That you know that what you know that they'll get back there and and get over the hump the next time because you don't always get back. I mean, ask the Bills; they get to the AFC Championship game in twenty twenty. They're supposed to be the it team. They haven't been able to get back. No, and that was. I mean, to not get back on some silly decisions—that's a tough way to go. So, Bill, you're on your on your vacation here again. Um, the Sabers were were so kind to you to to take the week off. The NHL was was able to <laughs> work around your schedule. Um, mm-hmm. But the Sabers had the weirdest road trip trip I can recall. Um, they give up at least the first two goals in all three games. In California, the second two, the first game was just a dreadful performance. Just dreadful. Yeah, it was. I mean, the Ducks are not good. I mean, they have some interesting talent for sure, but I mean, they're just not a good team. Yeah, and then you know it looks like they're headed for the same the same performance against the Kings, and they come back and win, giving up uh, three goals and coming back to win. And then they they give up the first two goals against the Sharks, who are worse than the Ducks, and come back to win there, and they won both of those games by by at least two goals. So, Bill, what do you make of uh, the Bills, the Sabres' time in California? I think it was a pr- pretty decent trip. I mean, you'd like 3-0, considering their level of competition. I mean, the Ducks, as I said, not a good team. Uh, the Kings, uh, they were a good team, but they've completely fallen apart, and <laughs> they're, uh, they're a mystery how they've gone from one extreme to the other, and and the sharks are just bad, like all time bad. So, um, but realistically, I mean, to win two or three road games in the NHL, uh, to, you know, two out of three on a three game trip. I mean, that's pretty good. You take it, you move on. Um, on one hand, you you like how the Sabers can can come back, erase a deficit pretty quickly, like they did in those last two. But they're why they're falling behind. I mean, it, it's just it's mystifying and falling behind against bad teams. And it's not, I mean, like you said, it's not, they're not falling behind one, nothing. They're falling behind two, nothing, three, nothing. I mean, it was, it was just, they were odd games, but I mean, to their credit in the last two, they were able to come back and beat teams. You expect them to beat. So they generate a little momentum, but they're going into the, I mean, they're, they're, they were going into their break. So, they're going to have whatever nine days off or nine days between games and they might lose that. Um, so they, as I say, I, I'll say this every week until they, they do it. They need to go on a run. They need to string wins together. And right now they have two, 
but they got to make that four or five. And when they lose again, they got to make it three more. I mean, they have to do something because, I mean, the odds of them, as we talk about each week, making the playoffs, are <laughs> they're not good right now. If they hadn't, they hadn't won those two games, do you see a change, a, a, a coaching change? Maybe not Don Granato, because I, I think we've been down that road, and um, I think he just has, for this this owner, he's got too much time left on his deal. Um, yeah, I don't think his, con- his extension hasn't even kicked in, right? So, right, right. Um, I mean, I still, I mean, is there is there a, an assistant coaching change, something... Because, I mean, that that Ducks game that was, in a lot of circumstances, a fire the coach moment. Well, I mean, that was. I mean, you can make a strong argument that Ducks game was. I mean, their nadir this year. I mean, it, sometimes it's hard to when you're having a season like the Sabers are having right now. It can be hard to pick out one moment, but that was just. I mean. That I guess it was a second period against the Ducks was just it was brutal. I mean, and then. I mean, you add in like it was just a weird game. You have guys falling randomly, falling on the ice. It it was just it was it was bad on so many levels. And maybe if the if they lost those last two of the trip, maybe something would have happened. I don't think it would have been a head coaching change. I don't know what it would have been, but maybe something would have happened. But yeah, um, they were able to recover to their credit. I mean, and you know. This was a soft part of the Sabres schedule. I mean, they've beaten the Sharks twice now in a couple of weeks. They beat Chicago. They beat the Kings. I mean, they're winning games you're supposed to win, and the Sabres need to do more of that. I mean, take care of the. I mean, take care of the games you should win. Split, you know, s- split the others, and you might be in good shape. So, uh, they built up a little momentum before the break, but I mean, it's going to be hard to get that back. They have Dallas coming up next week out of the break. A very good team. They've lost Jack Quinn. Uh, there's, I mean, there's still a tough, tough road ahead of them. Speaking of Jack Quinn, he's going to be out uh, another few months after coming back from an Achilles injury and really played well um, in his short time and uh, on the ice. Um, where do they go? Where do they go to replace him? I, I don't think the answer is Tyson Jost. I don't think the answer is. You know Eric Robinson or Zemgis Gergensen or whoever bumping one of those guys up. Like it seems to me that they either have to make a move or or bring up a young guy um, full time. Well, yeah, I mean he he there's a good chance he's good. I mean I guess it's according to the Buffalo News he had surgery already and it's going to be two months. So I mean two months takes you to whatever. I mean close to the end of uh, March. So uh, that. I mean, there would still be a couple of weeks left maybe, but uh, at this point, uh, I mean, you can't count on that. So, uh, yeah, internally, I mean, they tried that already. I think uh, when he tore his Achilles in uh, uh, June, or excuse me, before he tore his Achilles in June, we thought Victor Olofsson was a goner. It was just, it just wasn't working uh he didn't need to change his scenery he was coming off a 28 goal season so he had some value he only had one year left on his contract um but all of a sudden with Quinn gone uh you're trading a guy you potentially have penciled in for 20 or more goals I mean Victor Olofsson was 28 goals so you're 
you're taking, if you trade Victor Olofsson, you think maybe 50 goals out of your lineup or so. So, I mean, I, I believe Jack Quinn's injury kept the Sabres from trading Victor Olofsson. And they tried that. <laughs> it, 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 it hasn't worked. It didn't work. And now they're faced with the predicament excuse me, predicament of trying to replace him mid season. And it, it just, I mean, like you say, like they have some good guys that can play down the lineup that maybe could play a couple more minutes, but I mean, you can't have Eric, Rob I mean, Eric Robinson is not going to replace Jack Quinn or Tyson Jost or wh wh whoever. I mean, it's just not, that's just not going to happen. So, and Victor Olsen can't be that guy again. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I haven't seen that he's going to be that guy. Uh, like you, you can't go from scratch, healthy scratch, for a pretty extended period of time here to second line. And then, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the ball's in Kevin Adams' court. I mean, does he does he want to make a move and 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 you know give up futures, uh, give up picks or prospects or or whatever to try to to band-aid it or to just maybe he can bring in something that'll be here more than, you know, a few months. But uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that plays out because they try, <laughs> they tried to get by without without making a move the first time he was hurt and it, it didn't work. I mean, if Jack Quinn was, I mean, you can slice and dice the Sabres struggles a lot of ways, but if Jack, I mean, if they had Jack Quinn for the first, you know, be, before Christmas or whatever, for, for those couple of months. I mean, they probably, you know, he's worth a couple of wins, right? And I mean, his impact, I mean, was notable right off the bat. I mean, they were nine, seven, and one with him. He has five goals and 12 points in 17 games, which good numbers. I mean, but beyond that, just, I mean, he plays the way they want to play. I mean, he plays fast. I mean, it just, I mean, he's a smart player. I mean, he's he's a guy that they love having in the room. So it, I mean, there, there's so much that he brings, and the way he, I mean, we've talked about it before the way he played coming off surgery, uh, in in the long rehab. I mean, you you expect maybe a game or two guys going on adrenaline, and then it starts to catch up with them where they're just they might be on the ice, but they're not quite there yet. They just don't have the stamina. I mean, it, it, it takes time, but he, I mean, he joined the lineup and was good and never let up. It was, it was interesting to see just uh, how good he was able to be right off the bat coming back from a, a six month recovery. So, I mean, you don't see that with a lot of guys who have long-term injuries. I mean, so what's your inclination? Do you see, there, there aren't a whole lot of second line wingers being dangled out there, but you know, at the same time, they've got so many prospects, they've got so many picks. Like, you don't need to hang on to all of them, especially when you're trying to make a move up the up the standings. Like, you're trying to get out of this, you know, drafting in the top ten. Like, and eventually, you got to make a move now. So, what what's your inclination? Is it do they do they make a move? Do they go to uh, Yuri Kulik, do they go to Isaac Rosen? Where, where do you think they go? Well, I guess my, my first thought was maybe they give Isaac Rosen or Yuri Kulik uh, another look. Um, Kulik played one game in November. I, I believe Rosen played seven. Um, you could see him get better, but I mean, I mean, neither made, I mean, Yuri Kulik one game, uh, but you know, ne neither made a huge impact. Um, they also didn't really play with players or 
play enough to make an impact. Right. I mean, they're, they're also gonna, very young. I mean, they weren't gonna. I mean, they weren't gonna play 19 minutes and get power play time and all that. I mean, it was. It was. To me, it was kind of they were rewarding them more. They, you know, they needed guys. They wanted to give them a look and so forth. Um, but I mean, Yuri Kulik and Isaac Roseanne—they've had nice years in the AHL. Um, they're going to go, be going to the AHL All Star Game over the weekend, I believe. But I mean, they're struggling right now. I mean, they're, they're Yuri Kulich. I don't think he's scored since he came back from World Juniors. Uh, Isaac Roseanne's been in a, in a rut, so. I mean, if they were to promote those guys, they're not promoting someone who, I mean, who, who's on fire, who, who's who's at their top. I mean, they, they've struggled for a couple few weeks here. So, I mean, that plays into it too. I mean, because usually when these guys come up, they're they're firing on all cylinders. They they've they've earned it and so forth. But right now, uh, you know, I think they're feeling it a little bit. So I don't, I don't. My inclination is that Kevin Adams is going to stay the course. So far, he said uh, he's not going to do anything. The jeopardy, or excuse me, in years, months past, not in this current situation, he said that you know he's not going to do anything to jeopardize the Sabers' long-term future. Um, you know, he has his vision, he has his plan, and uh, he, he's kept those. You know, most of those picks, he's kept. You know almost every prospect, all the notable prospects. So at this point, given the Sabres position and how the odds of them making the playoffs are so slim, I'd lean toward they don't make a move. I mean, they promote a guy or, you know, just try to patch it, I guess. I think uh, if they try to patch it with a Victor Olofsson or a Tyson Jost or whoever, I think there's going to be outrage. Um, I mean, and you know, he's got his vision, and you know, he knows more than we do. But at a certain point, too, how far, how how long is your long term, your long term plan? Like, this is a franchise that desperately needs to make the playoffs for their own sake, for fans' sake. Like, it's been too long. And they have to they have to get there at some point. And they can't afford to wait another two or three years. So you're right. I mean I mean there's there's been a black cloud over the franchise for a long, long time. And it's not gonna be lifted till they make the playoffs. I mean, it was great they got close last year. I mean, they made a they've made a ton of strides under Don Granado. Uh but yeah, I mean, until they actually get there. That black cloud's going to be there. So, I mean, maybe that plays into it. I mean, they need to sell season tickets. I mean, there's there's a lot more at play than, you know, simply getting the playoffs. I mean, there's the black cloud. There's this, the frustrated fan base. There's uh, just tickets. I mean, I think they went all in this year on embracing the playoff talk for, you know, a lot of reasons, I guess. But uh, – I mean, the first of which is they were right there. I mean, they were knocking on the door. Another win, I guess they would have been there. But, I mean, they also need they need to excite fans. They need to sell tickets. They need to, I mean, get people talking about the Sabres again and, and engaged with them. So um, there's a lot that goes into uh, how they try to handle this situation. And uh, I think, you know, making the playoffs would go a long way toward a lot of curing a lot of ills but that said 
Uh, I mean, are they really in a position to make the playoffs? I mean, the odds say that they're not. I mean, they haven't gone on any sort of streak that would make you think that they could. They would have to go on an Oilers-type streak. Well, yeah, well, I mean, not that long, but yeah. I mean, they would have to go I mean, they they would... They would have to win, I think, six games in a row. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What are they, eight? They're eight back? I mean, if they win... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm consulting with the research team as we speak. Um, so as we record this, they're, um, let's see, they're nine points out of the wild card. So, so I, I think I they'd mean, have to, to get back in there. You're talking five, six in a row, five out of seven, six out of eight, something like that. Like, yeah, for sure. And, you know, get when you lose, lose, you know, get get the game to overtime, as we've talked about. They, they don't even do that anymore. Yeah, they only have four overtime losses. So, so um, you know, that loser point is huge. I mean, the Sabres have more wins than the Islanders, but the 22 versus 20. But, uh, I mean, the Sabres... Have four overtime losses. The Islanders have twelve. So it's remarkable. Mean, yeah, the Sabers have twenty regulation wins. The Islanders have fourteen. So 12, 12 overtime losses is impressive. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so you know, and even I mean, even let's say they erase as we've talked about. Let's say they erase. They're able to. Uh, you know, get within five points or whatever. They, I mean, they climbing the teams ahead of them is such a. I mean, you're you're five points back, say, but I mean, there's you know three, four teams. So I mean, I mean, in those teams, they might you know lose two out of three, but they got you know they're two o they're you know they're one o and two, so they get two loser points. So so I mean, teams are constantly gaining points. It, it it's a different dynamic than it used to be. And it's it's tough to make up ground. That's why we always talk about, uh, you know, the standings at Thanksgiving, early December, Christmas time, uh, where the teams locked in spot into spots. Then are usually the ones that end up going to the playoffs. They should have. They should up the up the money for Patrick Kane. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think. I mean, Patrick Kane. I mean. Detroit really, I think Detroit surprised some people. Right now, they're in the second wild card spot. They're only a point back of Toronto. I mean, I still predict that he plays. He plays at least one season with Buffalo before. All right, all right. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. All right. All right. So, Bill, you went to Rochester this week. Did you try the new Taco Bell that you had been yearning for? Uh, I did not. I believe it's in Brighton. Oh, so you... it's actually in in Rochester proper. The, the borders, the uh, the town line or whatever is pretty close to there. I did not not go to that Taco Bell. I did drive by it though, and uh, you know, I I look forward to uh, getting there soon. All right, and the All Star Game is this weekend. You I'll tell me. Rochester... Oh, you tell me you're not well. going. I am not going to the All Star Game. I will be in Rochester tomorrow watching right. Devin Levi play. Um, I expect him to play. Emmerich's have three games this week. I expect him to play at least two. I don't know if he would play back back to back over the weekend, but I expect him to play two. And I, I guess I would expect him to be back in Buffalo come Sunday or Monday. 
I was looking forward to see where you stacked up in the fastest skater. Me? Uh, you don't want to know. I guess neither does Connor McDavid. You know what? The, the All-Star game, I think, you know, some people like it. And I mean, I mean, it's not a bad event. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, most people who are there would rather have the time off. I mean, you talk to players and, and I mean, a lot of them are, of course, are honored to go and everything. And but and a lot of, you know, they, they happily fulfill uh fulfilled their duties at the uh at the weekend but i mean i think a lot of them would would just love the time off the season is such a grind that i mean just three three four days off makes a huge difference so um yeah i uh i will i probably won't be watching the all-star game to be honest with you well uh, uh, they, they gotta figure out a way to make it more like the nba all-star weekend just the NBA All-Star Saturday night, say what you want about the dunk contest. Um, but it's such an event that people people watch it. Uh, you know, the players, even if they don't uh, participate, they're, they're there and engaged and enjoying themselves. So uh, the NHL has to figure that out. Same with the Home Run Derby. Well, I mean, so, to the NHL's credit, they're... they're, they're they're changing things up with the skills competition and so forth. They're soliciting advice straight from the, I guess, from, from the players. I mean, they're trying. So I give them a lot of credit for that. They're trying to evolve and uh, they're consulting with the right people, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, you're the fastest skater. You have all these things. I mean, I guess sometimes you wonder what else can you do? I mean, I thought it was kind of neat in Vegas. I guess it was two years ago or whenever that was. They they had guys shooting giant cards. I thought that was kind of neat. Play into the local aspect of it. But, um, you know, there's no, I mean, I guess these sometimes these events are just kind of for corporate sponsors, right? So on that note, Nick, another one in the books. It's been fun. Uh, what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to? Uh, this week with the uh, this with with the bills, can can we look forward to any uh, additional news or anything? News as in moves. Um, I don't think any any. Co- well, they need to fill a linebackers job a spot. They need to fill a quarterbacks coach spot. So um, I don't know when those will be announced. Those coaching hires tend to go quickly. So um, we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm gonna dig into some things roster wise this week. Uh, Kind of see where the bills stack up in terms of roster structure, draft draft strategy with some of the Super Bowl teams, uh, and you know, kind of kind of get ready for the for the start getting ready for the draft a little bit here. All right, sounds good. The Sabers will be back practicing. Uh, they leave Sunday. Uh, they host Dallas and St. Louis, the Kings, Panthers, a four game homestand. A lot of some tough opponents, but they have an ability to make up some ground here with some home games. So we'll see how that plays out. Nick, it's been fun. We'll do it again next week. If you want, send us an email, email at buffalopressbox at gmail.com. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. Thank you for joining us.